The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Mari Llewellyn, and I'm the host of the Pursuit of Wellness podcast. A couple of years ago, I went through a huge transformation. And although I got a lot of attention for losing weight and discovering my passion for weightlifting, there was a lot more to that before and after than what a few pics could ever capture. On the Pursuit of Wellness, you can expect tons of information from experts about optimizing your body and mind. I'll also be sharing some triumphs and struggles from my own personal life. I'm on this journey with you, so you can definitely count on my podcast to give you that weekly dose of encouragement we all need as we pursue things that make us feel our very best inside and out. Tune into the Pursuit of Wellness every week wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, it's Mariana. Welcome back to the Life with Mariana podcast. In this episode, I'm here with Jackie Ina. She's a digital creator and founder of Forever Mood, and I love this brand. When I had her on the podcast last time, we talked about launching the brand, and now it just seems like it's grown so much. It's available at Sephora. There have been so many incredible scents and fragrances. I love the candles so much. I just have them sitting around my house, and even when they're not lit, they just smell so beautiful and incredible. I love the scents and the naming and the colors, and I'm just so excited for her. And not only has the brand grown, so much in that time, but so is her TikTok presence. I love following her on there and being so motivated and inspired to do things around my home. And I really want to talk to Jackie about longevity in the space because she has been an OG in the creator space for so long now. I think it's really important to learn from her, like what makes a career last in this space and what advice does she have for up and coming creators? So if you want to hear from Jackie, keep listening and don't forget to subscribe to my podcast because I have new episodes every Tuesday. And if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave me a rating and review and you're listening on Spotify, leave me a five-star rating would be so helpful to the show. Now let's hear from Jackie. I think since the last time we have recorded, you have grown so much specifically on TikTok. I love watching you over there every day. So how are you managing between TikTok and Instagram and brand and all of your things? Well, first of all, yes, a lot has changed, but I really feel like treating each individual platform like it's its own child in a way is like so important. It's just not good enough to just be repurposing content from place to place, like in a copy and paste format. I think in the beginning, when you're trying to manage, just putting yourself out there and building a brand, like, yeah, that'll fly. But if you really want to grow, like really grow and set yourself apart from other creators on each platform, you have to treat them individually, which requires a lot of work. I think it also requires a lot of spending time on the app and like figuring out like, what pops on here may not pop somewhere else. You know what I mean? So that's important. And I think that's often an overlooked skill that some people like are just not willing to do. And I'm willing to do it because honestly, as a black creator, like I just don't have the choice of just like relying on any other like type of privilege or societal advantage. Like I have to be really freaking good at social media in order to excel at social media. So I will take the time it takes and I'll research and I'll see what other people are doing and put in the work individually to make it work and to grow. And you are because the, your TikTok account is over 2 million followers. Now the content on there, I love, it's so good. I'm always like, okay, I need to go like make my bed because Jackie's (laughs) bed looks amazing. And like, it's so aspiring and inspirational, but like, how do you decide what lives on TikTok versus what lives on Instagram? Like, how are you thinking about each platform? So there's a couple different things that I'm doing. There are things that like there is actually crossover in what I share on Instagram versus on TikTok. Like there are some things that I'm like, yeah, I'm going to reshare it. But what I'll do is maybe I might tweak the, the song that I use. I might tweak the caption. 
I may film two different intros. So on TikTok, I may say, you know, these are my favorite TikTok trends. But then if I know that I want to share that same video on Instagram, I'm not going to open the video with that title, if that makes sense. I'll just re-record another intro to make it safe for Instagram or to make it safe for shorts. So that's one way to look at it. Another thing that I do, and I think that's this is really popular on TikTok, is like responding to a comment with a video. I really like that feature and I may not share that piece of content on Instagram because then it may not be as relevant. Like if I'm specifically responding to a comment that I got on a TikTok video, then why would I post that on Instagram and vice versa? Sometimes I respond to comments in an Instagram video that I wouldn't necessarily share on a TikTok, if that makes sense. So just knowing how to navigate that and figure that out is like one skill. Also, there's like maybe like conversations or trends that are relevant on one app and not on the other. So like figuring out what those things yes. are. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like the same conversations, like right now, what you mentioned about, I don't want to say the name of the brand unless you feel comfortable, but a, a popular brand trip. Like there's a ton of discourse about a recent PR trip that's been going on. And like on Instagram, it's crickets. No one cares. So it's like, it would make sense to like have that dialogue on that platform. Cause it's just not taking place there. If that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. And I think like what lives on TikTok, like the videos that I'm creating or a lot of videos I see, they would work really well on Instagram, but Instagram doesn't so much work so well on TikTok. So when something I would post on Instagram, I probably wouldn't post on TikTok. I actually kind of agree with you. And I've seen pieces of content take off in completely different ways. Like some things do exceptionally well on Instagram and then it may kind of, kind of flop a little bit on TikTok and that's okay. You know, the for you page is an ever changing Like, it's just so mysterious, but it's also not that mysterious at the same time. And yeah, you're totally right. Like, sometimes you're like, yeah, this isn't really like TikTok friendly. So I'm just going to pass on that. And you got to be okay with like every piece of media that you have not living everywhere, you know, and like Mm -hmm. being original and creative enough to like switching it up. And then how many videos are you posting a day? Like, where are you posting? Do you even have like a minimum you like to do? So this strategy over the years has actually changed for me. And I'm I'm not sure if it's just because of the way the algorithms are changing, or maybe it's just because I've been doing this for so long that I don't have to like hustle as hard, which is, I'm not going to lie, very nice. But I feel like, and this is also something that I've noticed on YouTube. What I've noticed is that four or five years ago, I would have to upload more frequently to get better chances at my content being seen or my content popping off. And I've also, I also would notice that the way that content takes off has also shifted in the past couple of years. So whenever I would post a video on YouTube, for example, I would get the most visibility within the first 24 to 48 hours. And then it would kind of like slough off and or plateau. And then it would diminish like after that. Unless it was like a viral video, but even still, most creators would see the bulk of their engagement the first 48 hours. What I actually notice now is that the less frequently I upload and like the longer content sits, it actually grows in the opposite way. So it's almost like a slow climb, which is amazing as a creator, because then I don't have to feel like I have to pay the most attention right after I upload something like sometimes it kind of gets a minute to like heat up, heat up, heat up, heat up like a slow climb. And then I also feel like the reach is a bit more organic in that way, which is nice. And I've also noticed that because of this has sort of shifted with my content specifically, if I upload too soon while a video is still like heating up in a way, 
I noticed that the other video will like plateau and just kind of like mm, die. Wow. So I started to notice like, okay, if I, if I don't give my videos, like my content breathing room, it actually, I'm starting to notice that sometimes it hurts me more than it does help me now. However, there are times where there's an exception to this. So like, let's say I got, I went to a hairstylist and I'm just using this as an example. This actually hasn't happened to me, but like, let's say I do a video and like a stylist butchered my hair. Right. And then maybe I leave the content on a cliffhanger and I'm like, okay, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Or the, the hairstylist just texts me, what should I say? That's going to leave a little bit of a cliffhanger and mystery. So like someone might be tempted to upload like a series on that. Right. So it actually benefits you to upload a little bit closer after that piece of content, because people are kind of like left hanging, like, oh my God, what happened after you left the salon? So that's a little bit different. I think that that's one of the exceptions, but like in general, like my independent content, that's not like series based. I actually kind of like just one a day, one every two days. I also notice that sometimes if I give like a whole day without uploading anything and then I come back, like stuff really pops off. It's almost like the algorithm's like waiting for me to come back. I don't know. It's very strange. And this answer, hey, maybe very different in six months from now, but that's just what I'm noticing now. And I love watching all of your TikToks. They're so good. And not only are they so good and so satisfying and like, I know you really live this life and like, this is what you're just doing day to day, but like, it just looks so good. And I love seeing the house and everything come together. And also the holidays. I was like, wow, this is like, everything looks perfection. Thank you. I love the holidays. I'm such a, I'm such a Christmas girl. Like I live for the looks. I live for all the decor. I love it. It was so good. It was inspiring me to like need to do more around the house. How do you make your videos look so good? They're like so crisp, so clean, so bright. Do you film like on an iPhone? Do you use a camera? I do a little bit of both. It depends on what I'm filming. I do like using in-app features like green screen, for example. So like I wouldn't be able to use a camera to film like a video on a green screen format because that's like an in-app feature. Or if I was like stitching a piece of content, then I would like have to use my phone. But I do like using my camera. I used to use studio light, but then I actually kind of moved away from that because I like natural daylight or just like the lighting installed in my house. Because I don't know, it just looked a little less forced in a way. So now that's literally all I do. And as far as like editing goes, I use features like color correcting because I like to play around with shading and grading and just making things look really, really good. And Final Cut Pro, that's like most creators, you know, that's kind of been like my tried and true since like day one. And yeah, I I actually kind of enjoy the editing part because it is something that I have. I like to have a lot of control over just like the end product. And I think also because I'm still kind of new to the lifestyle category that I want to kind of establish what I want things to look like before I pass that on to someone else, if that makes sense. Yeah. But for YouTube and everything else, I do have an editor. Okay. And then you prefer to edit TikToks on a desktop. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to, I don't think I would be able to do something like that on my phone. I just feel like it would probably take a really long time. Yeah. I feel like it's like the YouTuber and you, like you've been like in the space for so long. It's like what you've been doing. It's like what you like. I find it's faster for me to, to edit on a computer. Like I can edit something in like Final Cut Pro in like minutes. Yeah. Same, especially for short form content, right? Like it's only like a 20, 30, like that is so easy to upload or to edit as opposed to like, if I was filming YouTube content, trying to condense something that's three hours, like I, I, I'm sorry. I had to quit that job like years ago because it was just like, this is taking up so much of my time, but short form content is so much easier to edit. 
Let's take a quick break because support for today's episode comes from Jenny Kane. Jenny Kane is your go-to shopping destination for classic, comfortable, and California-inspired clothes, which is just totally my personal style and how I just want to like live every day. I love everything from their cashmere knit sweaters that I'm obsessed with to incredibly comfortable slippers that you're never going to want to take off. I wear them all the time. They have amazing elevated everyday basics and wardrobe essentials, so getting dressed is really easier than ever before with their pieces. So when it comes to investing in a uniform that'll last, I choose Jenny Kane. And for a limited time, my listeners get 15% off their entire order. Go to JennyKane.com and use code Mariana to get 15% off. I recently posted that I went by their store and picked up a new sweater and I just love them and I've been wearing this one on repeat. So one of their best-selling sweaters is the Cocoon Cardigan. I got it and it's this really relaxed fit and it's got this ultra cozy silhouette. I also love their lightweight Luxe Fisherman sweater. These are really core pieces that you can dress up or down all season long and I love to wear sweaters because it's just perfect for me on weekends if I'm like going out running errands or weekdays at the office because I just get a little bit cold in my office and then I love wearing this sweater when I'm traveling because it just makes me feel really chic and put together. And I just love the entire brand's aesthetic because it's all about the art of simplicity. They've really got this focus on quality, comfort, and timeless design. So when you're investing in these pieces, they truly never go out of style. Find your forever pieces at JennyKane.com and my listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code Mariana at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code Mariana. People are saying like YouTube is coming back this year. People want longer form content. What do you think about that? I agree, actually. I never left YouTube. Like, well, not like me. Like, obviously I took a YouTube break, but I still consume a lot of long form content on YouTube. Yeah, I I usually like put up my computer or my phone when I'm eating and I watch YouTube videos when I eat. So I probably watch like at least something every day. I love it. (laughs) Same. And And also I think people would be surprised the type of long form content that I consume versus the kind of content that I create. Cause it's actually so different. <laughs> what, what do you watch? I need to know now. So I actually watch, and maybe this is just because I have forever mood, but I watch a lot of videos about like finance and business. And I learn a lot, especially because my fiance is his background is finance. So that is something that I consistently like learning from like this whole like FTX thing that was going on. I had no clue what any of this stuff meant. And so I literally just started looking at the channels I'm subscribed to. And I was like, okay, I'm under, I'm like learning the breakdown and what went wrong and what happened. And I just feel like as an entrepreneur, you can never like learn too much. I also watch a ton of channels about history. So that is like a really fun one, especially when they're like animated or when they are like voiceover style. So it's like visually, I don't actually have to like watch the video to learn the information. So I quite enjoy a lot of like videos about history and you know, I wish it would have had that for us when we were in school. I probably would have paid way more attention if it was like animated and like fun and easier to watch than like reading a history book in school. Absolutely. And it's so much easier to digestible when like someone sounds like you or has similar colloquialisms and like they just explain things in like layman's terms. It's just so much more enjoyable that way. Yeah. I want to ask some advice for aspiring creators because you've been a creator for so long. You've evolved your personal brand and now you have a brand and business. There are people who look up to you. What advice would you give to new creators now to think about creating content in the space and then to have longevity? Because I think it's not that it's easy, but it is easier now on TikTok because of the way that like the algorithm can push content to go viral, but having long-term success as an influencer is difficult. So do you have any tips for longevity? 
Oh, yeah. My advice is to always be mindful. The quickest way to build your audience is not necessarily going to warrant longevity. And that's just facts. Or the caveat to that is you could quickly go viral and and build an audience. And there's kind of ways to cheat that and cut corners, but you are going to sacrifice a lot. So one of the big things on TikTok is TikTok is kind of looked at as like a, just like post everything and anything. And as someone who's 35 years old, that sounds like my little worst nightmare. Like, you know how I am, Mariana. Like I keep my business like cute. I'm a very like strategic and methodical in what I share and what I don't share. And unfortunately, that also does mean slower growth, but it also means longer growth. It means an audience that's super respectful and they admire the fact that like, I don't just like turn on my camera every time something horrible is happening or every time somebody, just all of the stuff that you see that is like easy to digest and is sensationalized. Yes, that will get you quick growth. And yes, that will get you more numbers and more engagement. But unfortunately, you can also crash and burn like that. And just be like really mindful that like the quick way is not necessarily always the best way or the long way. And just being mindful of that. I totally agree with you because I feel like I'm the same way too. And it's like, I understand that this is my work and my business and there's things that I want to share, but I also don't need to share everything. And then I think like the internet, the way it works is like, if you give them a little bit, they just want a little bit more and then it's never enough. And then you just have to keep feeding it. And then if you don't share it anymore, then the engagement's not as high as it was before. So it's better to just like avoid it altogether. You want to be cautious of like not making your life the content because also your life can change. And if you don't have anything else to relate to your audience with, then once that life change is not there anymore, then you're like, what do I do now? Like, for example, relationship, like if your relationship is the whole point of the brand, then like, what if that person is not your forever person? God forbid, you know, you just want to be mindful of that. It would be difficult to navigate. Yeah. And I think too, even if you think about like, how will I monetize this and work with brands? If you're an expert in something that's makeup, hair, skin, fragrance, whatever it is, you can monetize that. But if you're an expert in relationships, it might be harder to find brand partnerships. So also thinking about it as like potential brand partners you want to work with, even that's a helpful thing of being like, oh, okay, yeah, I do want to be an expert in food or whatever it is. I think that's a good point because, you know, the conversation about like, oh, you don't really need a niche and you don't really need to be in a category. While I think there's some validity to that, if you want to make social media worthwhile and worth your time, you kind of do need a niche and your niche may not have to be something as specific as beauty, but I do agree that like, it is kind of important to like solidify yourself or align yourself with some type of category so that people at least know, oh, okay. Like lifestyle, like even lifestyle is like a very vague category and which is fun because like the lifestyle category is new for me, but it is a category nonetheless. So people know what to do when they look on your page and they're like, okay, this is exactly how this person could sell this product to their audience or even utilize this product to their audience because not every relationship with the brand needs to be transactional. But I agree. I just feel like if you're going to be here and if you're going to build something, you might as well make it worthwhile. Yeah, definitely. And there's so much opportunity now. Like I think back to when we had started brands were not spending money with influencers. They were barely doing gifting. Like they didn't have influencer marketing budgets. And now it feels like most companies have influencer marketing budgets and that there's so many more opportunities. So it's like definitely take advantage of the time that we're in right now because it's a great time to be a creator. I absolutely agree. 
if you are in the market for a deodorant, I want to tell you guys about this new brand. So I received this a while ago and it started to become a part of my everyday routine. I love it so much and the brand is called Nez. Nez is a new, clean, aluminum-free, dermatologist-tested deodorant brand. Nez deodorants are customized for different occasions because your body actually creates different types of sweat. Stress sweat is totally different and even comes from a different type of sweat gland than movement or heat-based sweat. So if you're going to a big meeting that's stressful, you should be wearing a different type of deodorant than if you're about to hit the gym. Nez is customized for your different sweat moments and available in workout sesh, board meeting, and date ready. Nez gives you the right sweat protection and the right fragrance at the right time. I love these deodorants because they actually work, so no need to be worried if you smell bad or sweat too much, and their fragrances smell so good. Date Ready smells like fresh, smooth scents of bergamot, palo santo, and vanilla. Workout Sesh is fresh and energizing with cucumber and leafy greens. One of my favorite things about them, because I travel a lot, and a lot of times when I go to work or I'm on set or I'm doing a shoot or something, I like to have a little mini refresh bag with me. Nez deodorants come in this mini packaging size, so it's really great to have on the go. So I put it in every bag, and especially when traveling, and you could build your perfect bundle of three Nez mini deodorants tailored to your life and your sweat moments. Visit nezcare.com and use promo code Mariana at checkout for 10% off your entire order. That's N-E-Z-C-A-R-E.com and use promo code Mariana for 10% off your entire order. Promo code is valid through June 30th, 2023. Talking about businesses, we have our own and you know, I love Forever Mood. The candles are incredible. I have them around my house and I walked past one I had in my entry table yesterday. I didn't even have it lit and it just smelled so good. And I just love the brand and it's grown so much since the last time we talked about it in 2021. I know. And you know, you're mentioning that you smell the throw even when they're not lit is my favorite part about our candles because I was super adamant. Like I want the bold, I want the throw to be bold because I'm a bold person. I like my fragrance to be bold. I like my scent to be bold. I like everything in my house to be a reflection of my personality. So that is quite the flex. Thank you for reinforcing that. I love that. So what has changed in your business in the last few years as it's grown? Because it's gone through many phases and now the team is growing. You have more people. The team is growing. And, you know, I just feel like being an entrepreneur, like social media does a not so great job at glamorizing what it means to be a brand owner and a brand founder. And to be honest, there's so much that I'm I'm still learning and I'm going to continue to learn going forward. And they're all positive things. And so when we launched the brand, we launched it like right in the middle of the pandemic. And, you know, I, I previously shared that on the podcast. So there was already a lot of things that we had to learn and adjust with at that time. Then we launched And as the brand started to grow and it grew way faster than we anticipated, I don't care how many followers you have, nobody expected to to see the, the growth and the launch that we did right when we started the brand. So we were like shook, like we were really shook. We basically had to like figure out how to launch a brand that was, that was doing some things that brands that have been established and have been in the game for years. We literally had to figure out how to do that. Like the months after we launched So, you know, we started to get customer feedback about things like consistency in the products and the overall experience. And we started to notice that like one person's like, this is the most amazing, boldest scent I've ever smelled might be another person's. I got this candle and I don't smell anything. So then we were like, wait a minute, that's odd because we know that that's not the experience. And this is clearly a quality control issue. 
And so we started to really investigate things like that because that was one of the pain points that we started to hear and we started to get with customer feedback. And we had to basically come, we had to make a lot of changes with the brand internally. And I really cannot wait to be able to fully share what those changes were. But the consistency in the product was like a big one that we started to, it started to kind of start off slow when we first launched the brand. And then we started to hear it more, I would say like a year after we launched and we were like, okay, something's going on. And we had to figure out what that, what that was. Also, we wanted to not only enhance the overall performance of the candles, but we wanted to enhance and step up the fragrance. So over time, I got the chance to hire a company president. Her name is Asha Coco. She's quite the beast in the fragrance world. She came highly recommended and we brought her on board with the team. And, you know, she, she was actually the first person who brought to our attention the consistency issue. And also she was like, and, and not only that, but like everybody in New York who creates candles for all of the top brands and creates fragrance for all the top brands should know who Forever Mood is. Get on the plane. We're going to New York. We're meeting all the fragrance houses. And so that's what we did. And we started establishing relationships with them. And they now make everything that we've launched with Forever Mood at my Owambe collection, which was my birthday collection last year. That collection and everything moving forward has come from the fragrance houses. So like literally the best perfumers in the world are now creating our scents and it's incredible. And you definitely notice not only a difference in the overall performance, but in the quality of fragrance that we use. So that is the one thing that I'm most proud of. And then the last thing that we're also improving is the brand identity. I think that the best example I can mention or an example I can give to this is like, whenever you see black and white stripes, the first thing you think of is Sephora. Like you just, you see it and you get it. And like, I never felt like, and also because our brand is so new, but I felt like Forever Mood didn't really have that distinguishing factor. So we we worked on creating designs and an overall look and feel so that when you see it, you think that's forever. And I'm not quite, I'm not going to say what that is just yet, but I feel really, really strong that we're just kind of like buttoning things up in the overall look and feel in the brand so that it feels a bit more cohesive. Every other collection that we've launched prior to this has always had its own unique and very creative look like we almost kind of launched candles the way you would launch a fashion collection. But I think now moving forward, we want things to not be so standalone and so unique that you're like, wait, like, is that a, what, what brand even is this? If that makes sense. So yeah, I know that's a lot, but it's been a lot of work. (laughs) I think hiring a president or hiring an executive that can help bring your dreams to reality is such a special thing. So like with Lauren and I, with summer Fridays, we hired some people and we were like, we have no ego in knowing that there's things we don't know and that the brand is taking off. It's a disservice to us to not hire somebody that could help us, you know, continue the momentum that we have. And so that's, it's so great to be able to bring someone on. I actually met her with you and she's amazing and I'm so happy for you. So are there any things that you've learned from her that, you know, from her years of experience in beauty that have been really helpful for you? Ooh, so much. I mean, one it's just, she's just super knowledgeable in general and like what the chain of command to brand building is. So that's the first aspect, but really we brought her on board because I am kind of expecting her to bring on the skill sets that I know I don't have. And I think that as a brand founder and as a brand owner, you lose absolutely nothing from saying, I cannot do everything. And I don't want to do everything because I don't know everything. And 
she's just been such a mod. Like I've just learned so much from her and the people around her. Every single person that I've met that knows her is just like has spoken so highly and so positively of her. And I think there's also like something to be said about someone who like starts something and then follows through. Like all of her previous work experience was like years and years of just her really being consistent. And I think that that's awesome. And as an entrepreneur, I look forward to kind of mirroring that because it's not enough to just like start something and then get bored and move on to something else. Like I really, really struggle with like focusing on anything else outside of Forever Moon, even though it's tempting. And I do get a lot of like, you should do this, you should do this. And it's like, I'm strictly focused on getting Forever Moon to where it is. And until I do that, I'm not interested in doing anything else. That doesn't necessarily mean that I won't take on other projects. I absolutely will. However, this brand as it stands now is fully, still fully self-funded and run by us. And I would not necessarily start another brand in the same model that I did with Forever Mood for like, just to name as, as an example. So that's kind of like where I am now. And like, I live, breathe this brand. I believe in this brand so much. And I'm also just so proud that like, we did it on our own, like, I know that there's other ways that you can start a brand. And I think if you have the resources to do them, you absolutely should. But I'm just so proud that we've gotten to where we are now. Yeah, you've done so much incredible things with the brand in the last few years. And then just hearing the way now, even that you develop your products. So I'm sure it's a dream for you to go work with these fragrance houses and being able to like play with like the best of the best and make these scents become a reality. It's incredible. I mean, the resources are, and then it's, it's nice because you'll walk into their offices and then you're like, oh my God, you made that. Because whenever you walk in, they have like all of the, they'll have like a a display cage of like, kind of like what is current or what's trending or like their all-star stuff that they've developed. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm secretly dying because I didn't know (laughs) one of my favorite fragrances. It's, it's really awesome. It really is. Let's take a quick break to hear from Macy's. Since signing the 15% pledge in 2020, Macy's has increased the number of Black-owned brands they carry eightfold. Now during Black History Month and all year long, they're continuing their support for Black creators, changemakers, and causes. Join Macy's in celebrating Black history and Black brilliance by shopping Black-owned brands. And you can help fund scholarships for students at historically Black colleges and universities by donating online and rounding up in-store for UNCF. And I wanted to highlight a few of the Black-owned brands available at Macy's. One is Beauty Set, which is a brand that I love. It is founded by Ron Robinson. He has been in the beauty industry for over 20 years. He's a cosmetic chemist, and he's developed probably some of your favorite skincare products ever. I found his brand a few years ago, and I love supporting him. There's a few products from Beauty Beauty set that I think you guys might love. There's one is the Universal Microbiome Purifying Radiance Mask. There's also an amazing moisturizer. It's called the Universal Pro Bio Moisture Boost Cream. Another brand to shop is Nude Bar, and Nude Bar creates access and representation by providing bodywear that actually matches your skin tone. Nude Bar has everything on the site from fishnet tights, a bralette, opaque tights, seamless underwear, and a low-rise seamless thong. And Oma, the label, has amazing high-quality fashion pieces. You can shop everything from a gold-plated brass bracelet, earrings, huggies, and necklaces. I love the women's 18-karat gold-plated brass 3-millimeter chain. It's 16 inches, and it's a really great layering piece, and it's also on sale. Learn more at Macy's.com slash purpose. That's Macy's.com slash purpose. If somebody wanted to even start fragrances on their own, where is a good place to even begin the process? Like I always say that Google is the best resource because you can find so many places online to begin a company like this. Honestly, oof. So I think that this is a great dentist question. So my my fiance and my co-founder, 
really was the missing piece. Like I, I definitely can say I act more like a creative director. And if anyone were to answer that question, I wish I had a better answer, but if anyone were to answer that question, it would be him because he pretty much started this and did this from the ground up. But I, I, I do think that he might agree with you that Google's a great start. And what I will say is sometimes just tapping into, if you have any resources, I know everybody will not have this advantage, but knowing other people that are doing it, if you trust them, just asking them for advice, I think can go a long way as well. Yeah. I think it's really helpful. You never know like what one person might have just like a little bit of help or like an intro for you somewhere. Okay. So between content and the brand, what does your workday look like? Like, how are you splitting your time between them? Do you shoot content first and then work on the brand after? Do you work on things day by day? I am kind of developing a bit more of a routine now than I have in the past couple of years, which is really great. Maybe it's because I'm getting older. I'm, I'm not sure, but it's really nice. It, my, my days don't feel so sporadic anymore. And basically now what they look like is I, I do like to film kind of first thing in the morning. I just feel like the lighting is the best. I am the most relaxed first thing in the morning, early in the morning. That's also when it's a bit quieter and I don't have to worry about, you know, like calls or meetings because really the forever mood workday starts after like 12 for me. So I spend like the first like four or five hours of my day filming. And then after that, I kind of switch to forever mood mode and maybe answer the emails and have our weekly meetings because we always have like weekly team check-ins where we catch up and talk about like what we're going to be doing for the week ahead or even the month ahead, depending on what time of the month it is. And then after that, I will usually probably edit or get back to emails, one-on-one meetings with like my team, my management, check in with them, my agent. So it's almost kind of like a going back and forth of both. And sometimes I do also film in the evening, but there's like real specific things I like to film in the evening. So it really just depends on what I'm doing that day. But yeah, it's kind of like filming and then forever mood and then editing and like just kind of back and forth throughout the day. I feel like you post stories on, is that what they are called on TikTok stories? I feel like you post those later in the day too. I usually notice them when I'm scrolling at night. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes I'll just like to check in and just like show face and just be like, Hey guys, like, how's it going? Or like respond to like a stitch some content and like post it in stories, you know? Yeah. Sometimes I do that as well. I I love that. I feel like now I'm like seeing, and even like the photos on TikTok now too. I'm like, okay, so I have all the things that I need here on my TikTok. I have my stories, I have my videos and photos. So I spent a lot of probably too much time on TikTok. No, same. I actually like photos on TikTok as well. I like the slideshows. I like pictorials. I like when people show product recommendations, but like in a slideshow, it's very like screen. It's like easy to digest. It's screenshotable. I like that kind of content. Oh my gosh. I shop so much. I think I'm more influenced on TikTok to buy something. Do you really? Oh my God. I'm such an Instagram girl when it comes to shopping. Instagram, I'm not going to lie. Instagram has my tea like I'm so easily clockable. I'm like the perfect Instagram like customer because they know I like home decor and they know I like a very specific type of home decor. They also know I love black owned brands. So I find a lot of black owned brands on Instagram. It's actually like insane how crazy, scary, accurate my Instagram algorithm is. TikTok Mm. is like getting there, but like, I don't know, sometimes TikTok, I can be a little skeptical because, you know, sometimes people hype things up because they're excited and they know that it'll get more views. So I tend to like take TikTok reviews with a grain of salt, but Instagram, I'm like, nope, add to cart. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I wanted to ask you, since we were talking about home stuff, if anyone wanted to get your steamer that you steam your bed with, which one do you use? Okay. So I use the one from Conair. It kind of looks like an iron 
and steamer in one because it has like a flat like surface area. So you can actually use it to like iron at the same time. That bad boy is a game changer. And it comes out with so much steam. Like it's like insane. I've never seen a steam. It's almost like an industrial looking steamer. That thing is fire. I love that thing. I love Conair. Shout out to them. They always. It's such a good one too, because I think a lot of the steamers, when you hold it like down, like horizontal to the ground, the water comes out. And for some reason with that one, it doesn't. So it actually steams without getting everything like wet. Yeah, it doesn't leak at all. And sometimes I do flip it upside down and I've never had that issue. So I would, yeah, I definitely agree. Okay. You're very busy. I need to know, how are you taking care of yourself? Like, how do you log off? What are you doing in your free time to recharge? That I think has, has improved dramatically in the past couple of years, especially after my YouTube break. And I think the last time we chatted, I think I was still on my YouTube hiatus and I was just going through a lot personally. I was, I think at the time deciding how long do I really want to do this? Because it just started to become really stressful and it started to feel like a lot of pressure, but also to be fair, you know, considering the type of content that I create, like it kind of in a way comes with the territory. So I, I guess for me, I had to like make some hard choices about not only how I spend time online, but like how I show up and be present online and like what I'm willing to accept. And basically for me, I think it's really important to communicate with my audience. Like when I don't feel comfortable being included in certain conversations and just literally saying no, like I almost kind of was like starting to become like the school principal of YouTube. So like anytime something would go viral or someone would get canceled or someone would get dragged, they tag me, like mass tag me and be like, oh, you should talk about this. And then like, if I didn't talk about it, like I would get dragged too. And I just started practicing the art of just being like super respectfully, like, no, I don't want to talk about that anymore. You know what I mean? Like I don't have to take on the stress and the pressure of sharing my opinion on everything anymore. And that alone, Mariana has made my social media experience so much more enjoyable. Like I cannot tell you, like, it just was like a breath of fresh air to just be able to exist online and not be in a perpetual state of like turmoil and like sharing my thoughts on things. Like I just did not like that anymore. And so that's one way that I practice self-care is saying no and like standing in it and not feeling guilty. And I think that's very important as women. I also think that's very important as entrepreneurs because, you know, we're kind of like raised and taught, like women are supposed to be people pleasers and women are supposed to be noble and humble and this and that. And it's like, no, I don't want to, I don't have to, and I can still be a good person and put myself first and turn my phone off sometimes and life will still go on, you know? And so that's kind of like one of the ways that I've been doing it. I think having like quiet hours with my phone, I sometimes get lost on the for you page. And whenever I feel myself getting a little too comfortable, I'm like, yeah, that's enough social media for now. You know, like trying to stop myself from going down too many rabbit holes, going down too many. Yeah. Like just the rabbit hole of like, if someone is going through something, sometimes I even feel like secondhand, like anxiety if someone else is going through something. So, so that's when I have to like, okay, that's enough. Like, I'm just going to like stop investigating this. This is a bit much. Also, as of recently, like last October, I am no longer on Twitter. That has relieved a lot of stress as well because I didn't feel like Twitter is fun. And I think Twitter is a great way to like communicate your thoughts and stuff. But like, I'm not quite sure if the platform itself is like evolving in the way that like other apps are. So I just decided like, "Mm, I don't really know if this is serving me anymore. So I just deleted my Twitter. And honestly, it's definitely affected my productivity because I 
would tend to get like lost and mindlessly scrolling on Twitter as well. And when I started to feel like that would affect my work balance, I was just like, yeah, no, I, I need to, something's got to give, like, I can't be, I can't be omnipresent literally everywhere. So Twitter kind of became the sacrificial lamb in a way. And I don't know if I'll be back on Twitter. Maybe, maybe not. I have like over 700,000 followers on there. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was, it wasn't like it was crickets for my Twitter either. Like I, I had like a big platform. I was like, well, on my way to getting a million on there and on Twitter, that is not easy to do, but I don't know, girl, I was just over it. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I need to break from something. I need to just, I need to focus on TikTok. I was super intentional about focusing on TikTok and I kind of had to give up one in order to do that. So wow. that was like my strategy with that. Well, I think it's so inspiring and helpful and motivating to hear your boundaries around work and social and the things you choose to share and not share because people who are aspiring creators can see that you can have a successful career and not have to put everything out there and that you can say no to things and still succeed in this business. And, you know, I'm the same way. And so it's so great because I think we relate in that way. And so congratulations on everything. I'm so happy for you and Forever Mood. So where can everyone find you and buy Forever Mood? Forever Mood is available on our website, forevermood.com. And that's F-O-R-V-R mood.com. We're also available at Sephora, sephora.com and in stores. We are so excited to be relaunching this year. And if you want to follow our socials, it's the same name, Forever Mood, at Forever Mood on TikTok and Instagram. And for me, Jackie Ina, everywhere on TikTok and on the gram and lavishly Jackie on Instagram. If you like home decor and cleaning and organizing and lifestyle. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening and be sure to subscribe to my podcast and rate and review because it would mean so much to me and follow me on Instagram at Mariana underscore Hewitt to see what episodes are coming up next. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.